Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Howdy, everybody. Spring is in the air. As I mentioned last week, I'm redecorating the storefront windows and I have run out of steam. My kids and I made 25 tissue paper flowers and all sorts of pretty pastel colors. They were really into it at the beginning, and as their energy and enthusiasm started to wane, I started to dole out incentives for them to make these flowers. I was like, okay, if you make one more flower, you get um, an extra piece of garlic bread at dinner. Okay, that got them really excited. Okay, uh, when I ran out of garlic bread to give them, I said, when you do one more paper flower, you get a yummy dessert after dinner. Normally, they only get desserts three nights a week. So this was very exciting. And then I said, okay, when you finished even one more paper flower, I will give you a dollar. And when I ran out of dollars, I was like, okay, guys, no more paper flowers. But now I don't want to put them up. I don't even want to look at them anymore. Does that ever happen to you on decoration projects where you get so gung-ho at the beginning? And then as you're starting to work, you realize how much energy, time, everything is taking and you just lose that passion. It doesn't happen to me at work because I've got to push through. My clients are counting on me. But when you're doing these optional projects, like say your own space or certainly a storefront window, you've got to find that oomph to get to the finish line. I haven't found it yet. People are walking by my storefront saying, are you guys moving out? What's going on? <laughs> and I just tell them, no, I'm just redecorating, trying to find a little bit of energy. All right. Well, I will procrastinate a little bit more and record this podcast episode. How about that? How about that? Sitting next to a pile of tissue paper flowers, let's dig in to your questions. My first question comes from Donna. Donna writes, hi, Betsy. This is Donna. I am a premium member and a student in your academy. 
I don't have a question for the show, but I do have a question for you about one of your past shows. I'm writing because I want to ask this while I'm thinking about it. I think you had a home stager on your show a while back. I can't remember because I binge listened to all your podcasts from beginning to current, and so I can't tell you when it was. She had a certification course, I believe, in staging. I think she was in the 40 to 50 age range, maybe out of Canada. She was the subject of an interview or one of the topics or something. Do you know who it was? I've looked through all my notes and I cannot find where I took notes on that podcast. I just need her name if it's not too much to ask and I can research how to find her website. Thank you so much, Donna. Well, Donna, of course I happen to have her name and information, and perhaps other people are thinking back to that episode too, so I figured I'd put this question on the air. Her name is Katherine Lewis-Brown, and yes, she is based out of Canada, and her program is called The Successful Stager. She is awesome. She has an amazing course, and it is a certification. Now, you want to make sure that the certification uh, qualifications are the same here in America as they are in Canada. Canada does have different requirements for certifications, and in America, it tends to be more lax. For instance, in America, to call yourself an interior designer, you do not need a certification. You do not need any sort of license or anything like that. Now, if you want to call yourself a licensed interior designer or a certified interior designer, you do need a certification because you need to be up to date on all the codes. You'll have to be regularly tested so that you know all about the new permits that are required, fire codes, and it does vary from state to state. But to just call yourself a general interior designer in the 50 states, you can just do that. So keep that in mind. However, staging might be different. And I will tell you, staging is a totally different animal. After talking with Catherine, who has now become not only a friend, but also a colleague, we regularly talk business. Um, she has really opened my eyes to the big differences in staging. And at Affordable Interior Design, we don't offer staging services per se, because the mindset is a little bit different. You're not designing for your target client, more an avatar or an ideal client who really doesn't exist, but is an amalgamation of who you think might be purchasing. Also, you don't design the space to optimize the living layout in terms of optimizing TV placement for viewing, etc. You optimize the layout for flow as you're doing a walkthrough in the space. Also, you don't treat the windows when you stage. What? That goes against everything I stand for. But they want to show off the window casings and really expose the maximum amount of natural light. So they tend to leave the windows bare. Ah! That, among other differences, is one reason why you should definitely check out Katherine Lewis-Brown, because she focuses more on that staging viewpoint, and you'll find even more disparities between the two fields. All right, Donna, I hope that helped. Let me get to my next question from Johanna. Johanna writes, Betsy, I recently discovered your podcast and I'm obsessed. I purchased your book and became an inside member so I could listen to all your bonus episodes. Thank you so much for the useful information. 
I also took the style quiz on your website, and I was surprised to find out how accurate it is considering I'm currently torn between two styles. Guys, just a quick tangent. If you want to take the style quiz on our website, which so many of our clients find helpful, head over to affordableinteriordesign.com. There's a pop-up that will appear after two seconds of being on our homepage, and that is the quiz. Take it to find out your ideal style. All right, back to your question, Johanna. The quiz said, I like eclectic rooms. They're an epitome of a mix, blending styles, patterns, and palettes. And this is exactly the new style I am looking to create in my living room. Attached is a photo of Lily Aldridge's living room, which I really like. The problem is I have a north-facing living room and it is dark. I use a lot of lamps. I am worried that if I fully embrace this eclectic mix, the living room will feel and be even darker. I have an open floor layout and recently purchased a left-facing chaise sofa from Bassett Furniture in a putty color performance fabric to replace the hideous leather sofas. My sectional has not yet arrived, and the ones I currently own are arranged as if it was a sectional because I'm trying to visualize the new one in my living room. They aren't normally positioned like this. I have a painting above my mantle that is my inspiration piece. I'm thinking of getting linen curtains in an off-white cream and a blue ottoman. The pillows I hope to get are in blue and orange as well as the rug. What do you think? Is this going to be too much? Thank you, Johanna. Now, Johanna, just because you have a dark room doesn't mean that you can't incorporate some darker colors. You're doing just the right thing by incorporating lamps because really lighting is going to help brighten this room. That's the key. Colors can only do so much to keep a room light and bright, and you really need to rely on wattage. So get those lamps. Incorporate an overhead if you can. Try and put them all on full range dimmers so you can have an experience. I myself have a living room that's flooded with light during the day, but at night it is dark as a cave. And I have like six lamps in there because another problem is we don't have overheads and our walls and ceilings are plaster. So it's really invasive and problematic to install an overhead, even though I think about it on a nightly basis as I turn on all six lights in my room. Now, another thing that you could think about is installing wall sconces. Wall sconces will give you that light on a human level, like a floor lamp, say, but they don't take up any square footage on the floor. So that can be a real help and something that you can turn off and on as you like. Another thing that I would think about is keeping your wall color light. If your wall color is, say, an off-white or a cream or even a very pale grayish, well, that will help keep the space light and bright and make any light that you do choose to put in the room in terms of lamps reflected on that paint. Also, for a more reflective paint, you're going to want to use an eggshell finish versus a flat finish that will just absorb that light. The eggshell will help bounce the light around the room and make it feel even a little brighter. Another thing to incorporate are mirrors. So maybe instead of putting that beautiful painting above the fireplace, you would think about putting a mirror above there or maybe a mirror above the sectional. 
something that will bounce light around the room. And of course, if a mirror is directly opposite a light source, it's going to double that light, right? And serve as almost another source of illumination. So don't worry so much about the colors in terms of the accents, the rugs, the artwork, and focus more on augmenting the lighting. All right, Johanna, I hope that helped. Keep us posted. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. My next question comes from Renee. Renee writes, Betsy, thank you so much for your advice on our lopsided living room. We are excited to fix it up right. Yes, Renee, you wrote in the other day with pictures of your living room, and I hope you took my advice to heart. I can't wait to hear what you did. You're asking, Betsy, would you talk about light fixtures? We have a chandelier with a mid-century vibe that was hanging in the original dining room of our house. However, the former owners moved a door. Long story short, we've turned the old sitting room, which is open to the kitchen, into the new dining room. We would still like to use the original light fixture from 1970, but how do we know if it's the right size for the new dining room? Thanks, Renee. So, Renee... When you're hanging a light fixture above a dining table, you don't worry about the scale of the fixture to the entire room. You worry about the scale of the fixture to the table. Now, if the table is a very long table, in other words, longer than 72 inches, you may want to consider a linear pendant that is also long rather than small and wide. So that way it really illuminates the entire table and also emphasizes the line of the table. If you have a smaller table, 72 inches or less, that perhaps is quite wide, 42 inches or more, well, that's the time when you might go for a round chandelier or a teardrop shape, something that has kind of a bulbous, wider body. Now, you do want to make sure that the body is not so wide that when people sit down, it's kind of in their way. They're worried that they might hit their head. I typically think that the width of the chandelier should be about 50% of the width of the table. So say that the table's 42 inches, that chandelier should be about 20 to 24 inches wide. 
that's a good rule of thumb. Um, so yeah, I hope that helped answer your question because when it's above a piece of furniture, just like a piece of art, when a piece of art is above a piece of furniture, it's how it relates to that piece of furniture in terms of size. It's not how it relates to the entire wall in terms of size. Same for a light fixture above that dining table. Now, if this was a light fixture, say in a bedroom, right, a chandelier just hanging down, that's when you get into the scale of the room and the scale of the light fixture, since it's not directly above any one piece of furniture. All right, Renee, I hope that helped. Happy hanging. All right, let me get to my next question. Let's see. It comes from Natalie. Natalie writes, Hi, Betsy. I love your show. I just listened to your most recent episode about possibly getting a cat. Yes. The other day I mentioned getting a cat. Both my husband and I are slightly allergic. Turns out I've been slightly allergic for years, but I had a cat for 10 glorious years and never noticed it. And do you know why? And you know, speaking of, we lived in a 225 square foot studio and she was a long haired Siamese. There was hair, there were hairballs, and I never had any reaction. What? Yet when I would go over to a client's house and they'd have a domestic short hair, my nose would be running, my eyes would be itching, I'd be sneezing. What was up? Well, it turns out that Siamese cats can be somewhat hypoallergenic. So when I mentioned that to my family, my husband was all of a sudden more open to cats, even though he's definitely allergic as well. And so I was like, well, how can we try out a Siamese? I just lobbed this idea to my family, and now my daughter is obsessed. She's been polling all of her friends at school, and they definitely agree she should be getting a cat. She's been surfing the internet, looking at Siamese cat adoption websites. Yes, they do get that niche. And she's already found one she's liking. She particularly likes one that has diabetes because it needs extra love, and she has lots of love to give. Oh my goodness, we have opened Pandora's or Clara's proverbial box because now she won't stop talking about it. So Natalie, your email has come just in time. You continue. I foster cats and kittens and have had eight, not all at the same time, in the past six months or so. None of them have destroyed any furniture or other belongings. I have learned a lot about providing a good environment from watching Jackson Galaxy's videos. Here are some of the tips I have found most useful. First, the no-yes approach. The key here is to deter the cat from doing something, like counter surfing or scratching your couch, and then divert them to a more attractive alternative. The best deterrent I have found is double-sided tape. The, cat, the cats, excuse me, find the stickiness uncomfortable on their paws. You can get it in wide rolls for this purpose and either stick it directly on the furniture or stick it on something else. Cheap placemats for the counter or a blanket for the couch. Put that on the surface. This is only temporary until your cats get used to not scratching there. Then you provide alternative places for the cats to scratch and climb. Scratchers, cat trees, etc. You don't have to get the ugly, old-fashioned carpeted cat trees. These days, there are a ton of beautiful catification projects that will fit any design style. Maybe you can research these. Maybe you can do an episode about how to decorate for cats without sacrificing your style. 
It's really important for cats to scratch. It exercises important muscles and is part of how they claim a space and feel at home there. But you can get them to scratch only their own stuff and not your stuff. One space-saving option is cat shelves. They're like deconstructed cat trees. The cat can jump from shelf to shelf and get around the room without touching the ground. This is also great for the cat to get from your dog to get to know your dog from a comfortable distance. Cats also love to look out a window. So consider putting a cat bed on a windowsill and putting a birdhouse or squirrel feeder outside to provide cat TV. Be sure to get an adult cat, one year or older. A kitten will be far more likely to cause destruction, especially if she doesn't have another kitten to play with. Also, young kittens don't trigger allergies yet, and you don't want to adopt one and then find out two months later that you're allergic to her. Make sure the cat gets enough exercise. Exercising your cat by wand toys so they can chase a feather or a mouse is just as important as walking your dog. You can do 5 to 10 minutes of exercise twice a day right before mealtimes. This will help to satisfy her hunger and her hunting instincts and prevent her from using them on your ankles. I hope that helps. Best of luck finding a great kitty, Natalie. Natalie, this is amazing information. It's really eye-opening, and I feel excited to even use it with my clients because I cannot tell you how annoyed I get when my clients get all this beautiful new furniture per our recommendations, their space is looking amazing, then they call me to come in and help with them with styling, and I look at this beautiful room and board sofa, and it has pulls and tears from cat claws, and my client says, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm like, it is infuriating. So I am excited to tell them about this double stick tape trick. I am excited to share with them some other of these techniques, including the cat TV. I must say, I'm not super excited about those cat shelves because how many holes in the wall, how many shelves do I have to get? You know how I feel about floating shelves, Natalie. I'm not sure. But I will look into these cute cat trees because maybe they could serve as sculptural interest. And I definitely love your idea of getting an older cat. I am all about the adoption. The older, the better, because these cats need our love and senior adoptions are really something that is so special. If you can afford the medical treatment and if you can emotionally afford to have a shorter lifespan with your pet, well, it's such a important thing to do. So Natalie, thank you so much. I have renewed passion. My daughter has never lost her passion, but I have renewed passion for adopting a pet. And maybe we'll go back on those Siamese cat websites. Guys, if you ever hear me talk about a topic and feel, Betsy, I have something to say or I'd like to add to that conversation, don't hesitate to write in. It's info at affordableinteriordesign.com. Also, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, our mailbag is getting a little light. So if you have a question for us, please write in info at affordableinteriordesign.com. Thanks so much for being a listener, and I can't wait to talk to you next time. Bye. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, 
There is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com, click on podcast to learn more, and to become a premium member today. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.